You are listening to the Bills Blitzkrieg Podcast, brought to you by the Bills Blitzkrieg Network. All right, we're back again for another Bills Blitzkrieg Podcast. I guess this is the uh, the 11th pod? Is that right? I believe so. Yeah, we're, we're moving fast. I I mean, I guess we've had like 14, so officially it's 11, but we've had about 14 and had to throw a couple in the dumpster, but you know, yeah. all, all part of the process. Yeah, and um, we did take the last couple weeks off. We've missed everybody dearly. We've been trying to still be active on Twitter, but, you know, things get pretty uh, busy this time of year. Springtime's happening, so we've been taking some trips and just a little bit of leisurely time off. But I'm glad to be here, and I'm sure my cohort, Jake, here is as well. Oh, always happy, and it's uh, it's fun to get back behind the mic. You know, it's, uh, it's always fun to sit here and talk about Bill's topics. And I uh, took some time. I have to confess, I vastly underappreciated how much work time, effort, and expertise it takes to fully analyze draft prospects. I thought I'd, I even taken shortcuts. I could only get through the first round and it took me about a week. So at this point I had planned to have a full seven round mock draft ready for the bills. Um, I quickly learned that I need to spend a lot more time with college football prospects, but I at least got through the first round and I think I have uh, some pretty firm ideas of who I want to see picked at number 30. Um, and I think you also have some hot food takes for us. Uh, it's more of an appreciation, um, but we will get to that little little ways down the road. I mean, I'm sure we can come up with some hot takes, uh, but we'll we'll leave the listeners on the edge of their seat. But we can move. I think um, I know. We can move right to the. Uh, we can move right to the regular segment. Um, beverage check. What are you drinking tonight, Jake? Uh, I cracking my cold one. Oh, there um, it is. I'm going heavy again. <laughs> going heavy again. So I I did just take my uh, trip to Maine. Okay. Uh, weekend before last, came back with a lot of really good suds. Whereabouts did you go in Maine? It's a beautiful state. Beautiful state. Oh, fabulous. You know, all the ferries are still closed, so um, we went up through Messina over um, Rouse's Point, crossed okay. over Vermont, went all the way down, stopped off at Alchemist on the way through, and then um, nice. spent some time down in Bangor, Maine, learned a love for Frisbee golf, um, picked up a lot of good beers on the way, stopped down at Portland, didn't hit too many breweries after that but they had a really cool bottle shop called the beer cellar down there made sure i stopped off and grabbed a case among them oh i'm getting quite a big head on this uh was this uh barrel souls and finback collaboration called hip hops are fucking dead okay triple ipa triple ipa uh, that's oh, a yeah. that's a hefty boy yeah so i want to preface my excuse already that Picking a uh, running back for first round is because I'm drunk for no other reason that okay. I had this 11% triple IPA. That's fair. I mean, you're upfront and honest with all of us, so uh, no no fault there. I am on the complete other end of the spectrum. Um, I'm drinking a very respectable Genesee cream ale. Um, not much needs Ooh, to be said classic. about it. I'm sure most people that listen to this podcast, the you know, little bit of listeners that we do have, have probably all heard of or have drank Jenny Cream Ale. It's a classic Jenny staple. Um, mm. Smooth and delicious. Yeah, any Western New York bar, three bucks a can, right? Oh, yeah. No, actually, I almost want to uh, – I, I wish I could show everybody my uh, our beer fridge, which by beer fridge I mean a little uh, slide-out drawer in our refrigerator uh, that holds about, I think, 25 cans, if I remember right. It's straight full of Jenny. We got some Jenny Box in there from the springtime, or well, late winter. Um, got some Red Eyes, the r- new Ruby Red Kolsch 
um, which is, I think I we may have touched on that beer um, time or two before, and then we got some cream ale. So Genesee, um, if anybody affiliated with Genesee Brewing is listening to this, we would love to be sponsored by you guys. We are huge Jenny fans. Just uh, ship us all the beer you got, and uh, we'll work for free. Yeah, price point and flavor, that's that's all you need. And if I got a 30 rack of Genesee once a month, I'd be happy to shout them out. It doesn't even have to be the fancy ones. You know, Maybe every once in a while you can send me a nice four-pack you're experimenting with, but just a 30 rack of Red Eyes, and I'm good to go, man. Yeah, I heard that. Um, Genesee oh, makes a quality brew. Go ahead. Oh, I didn't get to do my review of this. Um, oh, okay. It smells very pungent right up front. It's got a nice malt back one, but for 11%, it's not half as boozy as you'd expect. It must be hot to the teeth. Uh, nice and uh, citrusy and a little bit pithy. And it's barreled soul, so you can kind of taste the, everything they do is put in the barrel. It's all aged in the barrel. You talk to them about a bright take, they'll tell you to lick their balls and go put it in the barrel. You can taste the nice oak there. Um, really good beer. And I wish we got them. I've had them a few times here in western New York, but I, I saw them on the shelves in Portland. and Really glad I did. This is a really delightful and complex and delicious beer. Nice. Um, yeah, you said it was a triple IPA, correct? Yeah, and you you think it definitely tastes imperial, but I'd say flavor wise, it tastes more like an eight. Nice. Yeah. See, that's that's uh, I I think that would be a style that I don't necessarily gravitate toward. Um, even double IPA. Sometimes I would just rather scale it back, have your regular old IPA, depending on you know a myriad of things. Um, you know, every IPA is different. They say most. Well, more often than not, I think that's true. But yeah, I just I wouldn't I wouldn't gravitate toward a triple IPA. So that's uh, glad that it's nice and well balanced and not like an imperial where some imperials can just taste way overly boozy um, mm-hmm. and just completely dominate the massive hop bill that it's included with those types of beers. Uh, so yeah, that's good stuff. Yeah, and a lot of times it can wash it out too because you when you're just trying to compensate for that booze. Right. You're putting in a northern amount of hops, and you really can't taste the hops. But this time, no, you can really taste everything. And um, it's rare to find one. You know, that's usually my rule of thumb is I don't go over 9% for IPAs because it either just tastes too boozy, too oxidized, or the hops are just washing each other out, and you can't taste it. But this one, I think they uh, – I mean, these are two of the – Finback's one of the best IPA brewers. Barreled Soul's been making great beer, barrel-aged beers. for, So you can expect with that superstar collaboration, I, you know, very happy with it, not disappointed at all. Nice. Glad to hear it. So uh, I guess we can move on to our, I think now, regular food portion of the podcast. And we are ranting and raving about hot dogs today. The classic American treat, Mm -hmm. uh, the ballpark staple. Um, It's, you know, who doesn't like a freaking hot dog? So at the stadium, you buy four, you bring them back to your seat and you eat them in five minutes. That's the whole point, right? You know, you just shovel them down. Oh, yeah. You got your 24-ounce deucer in the other hand, and your team cheering on your team. You're good to go. That's right. And I would like to segue off of, you know, being at the stadium by um, giving a shout-out, first and foremost, to uh, Hoffman Sausages out of Syracuse. I personally, they're my favorite dog. Um, I have very fond memories of getting dome dogs at uh, the Carrier Dome in Syracuse, watching either football mm-hmm. or basketball play. Uh all it is is just a steamed snappy griller, which is a mix of, I think, like veal, pork, and egg whites. It sounds, you know, not super appetizing to the ear, um, but I think Zweigel's 
is that how you pronounce it? Do a pretty similar thing out in Rochester. So, um, you know, the Western New York listeners might be keen to what I'm talking about. And I'm sure a lot of them have had a Hoffman too. But, man, I freaking love those you things. You seem wrong. You seem around. It's really funny how regional hot dogs are in New York State. And I yeah. know since moving to Buffalo here, it's all Salem's. Salem's, Salem's, Salem's. Salem's is the best. But, you know, growing okay. up when you were North Country boys, all yep. about the Hoffman hot dogs. All about the hot That nice, uh, crunchy outer outer skin. Is that what we call Big it? Big time. Yeah, that's why they call it a snappy griller, you know. And they do have other other types. There's a German dog as well that I think is mostly pork-based. But I'm a fan of the snappy griller. They're just that real snappy skin, good flavor. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And I mean, I can speak to, uh, I also, um, for those that don't know, I went to school in, uh, Plattsburgh, New York, got my, uh, bachelor's degree through there and they had a food staple called the Michigan. And now it doesn't originate from Michigan. There really is no general consensus on why they call it that, but it has nothing to do with Michigan. It doesn't, nothing to do with Michigan. I don't even know if they eat these types of hot dogs in Michigan, but it is a, uh, just, you know, your regular, I think probably pork hot dog with uh, a meat sauce, uh, raw white onion chopped, and just some mustard. And they're quite quite delightful. That's all you need really for the topping of a hot dog. But the reason why I wanted, I think I probed you a little bit to do hot dogs this week was um, I had responded to a Bruce, the Bruce exclusive. I like to mention him all the time because he does a, okay. a great job of content creation. Um, sure. But he doesn't put anything on his hot dogs. Nothing on his hot dogs. And I'm yeah. Like, how do you, how are you just gonna have plain hot dogs, man? And a lot of people are like, oh no, if it's not a good if it's a good hot dog, you don't there's no hot dog that that's good. I don't know. I don't know. I love a good Hoffman. I love a good Sweagles. I love a good Salins. They're good hot dogs. But what's going in a hot dog, it's not a cut of beef. You're not having a nice refined ribeye. You know, it's just a it's a bunch of excess meat parts ground up. Put into a casing and it tastes good, you know. I don't want to be intimate with what's going on inside the hot dogs. I don't want to be sitting there eating it and I'm looking at it and I'm analyzing it. I want it to be covered with chili, cheese, mustard, uh, meat sauce, whatever. I want it to be topped to the tea and it's just a vessel. It's a vessel for me to shovel in food as fast as I can. That's how I eat hot dogs. Maybe I'm okay. Eating. Well, no, that's that's all fair and good. Um, I am 100% a condiment guy. Or, you know, if you can pile shit onto other shit, I'm probably going to enjoy it. Um, So I really enjoy a condiment, whether that be the meat sauce, onion, mustard, not ketchup. We won't even cross into that territory. Um, No, no ketchup. You go into Chicago, you order a hot dog with ketchup on it, they're going to send you back to New York. And even even down, you know, New York, too. I mean, it's a regional thing. I feel like, you know, probably down in Texas, you know. Uh, Florida, weird fucking places like that. They probably eat ketchup on their hot dogs, but backwards, um, backwards people. Yeah, but um, no. Speaking of Chicago dog, I mean, I've been to Chicago and I've had a Chicago dog, and with toppings that you think just absolutely would not work on a dog, they're also one of my favorites. I like to recreate them at home from time to time, um, you know. But they're they're a pretty popular hot dog among other hot dogs, so. People buy them for a reason. I don't know if you ever, uh, you ever delved into that territory. I don't. I've never been to Chicago, so I've never had a Chicago dog. I've had some dogs down in New York City. I've had Chicago style dogs. I've had those Michigans when I went up to visit you in Plattsburgh. Okay. Um, 
And I always like the top. I, I put all sorts of weird shit on my hot dogs. Sometimes I'll just cut up a pickle. If there's just like some extra onions, t- chuck them on there. Um, yeah, it's really just chili, a hot meat vessel for cheese. anything you want. Really, you know. Sauerkraut. And back to uh, Bruce exclusive. I don't Black think he's meats. that. I don't think he's that crazy for not, you know, necessarily wanting a condiment on his dog. If you have a really good dog, I don't know. If there were no condiments around, I'm still going to eat it. Um, but if I had my preference, just little, just a stripy yellow mustard, and I'm good to go. I mean, sure, if I'm hungry enough, and I've had plenty of times where all I could afford was a pack of hot dogs for the week. Run out of mustard. Sure, I'll, I'll shovel that hot dog down my gullet. But, I mean, if I have a choice. If I have a choice, hot dogs need something. It doesn't even have to be ketchup or mustard. Yeah. Preferably mustard. Ketchup disguises flavors. You know, this is why everyone hates Patrick Mahomes for eating his well-done hot steaks with ketchup. But, anyways, you know, you put some pickles on it. Maybe even a little relish. Sweet relish is weird. Not I mean, that. you know, even Start if you have... Fridge, put a carrot on it. Yeah, even if you have, you know, the uh, the drunk drawer... Uh, Taco Bell sauce that's been sitting in there for two and a half years. Throw it on. Perfect. It's fine. Perfect. It's fine. Yeah. I but anyway. Let know that's not putting, I just want to let them all know, though. All you okay. people that responded to my retweet saying that you don't put anything on your hot dogs, I'm compiling a list. Compiling a list of all the names. I'm collecting it. I'm analyzing it. I'm going to report you all to the FBI. This is a uh, real serious concern. You guys are all clearly menaces to society and a danger to national security. I will not stand for it. I'm uh we're we're going to track you guys down. But all the love to you. All right. And that being said, um that is Jake's own personal view. He does not re- <laughs> represent uh Bill's Blitzkrieg uh media networks or anything of the matter. And we will go on record saying that and we will move on to <laughs> around I don't know the league. <laughs> I don't know if there's any legitimate criminal charge for having naked hot dogs, but I'm going to find one. I'm going to get my way up into the Senate. I'm going to campaign for local assembly, find my way up into the Senate, and I'm going to write a bill that you have to put things on your hot dogs. I'm that committed to this. It could be a thing somewhere, you know, states' rights and all that. Right, right, exactly. Probably not federal law, but who knows. I'll make it happen. I'm gonna, this is the hill I'm dying on. Put things on your hot dogs, people. It's the way to be. All right, so hot dog talk. Um, you know, if you think you want to get into us or get into it with us on hot dogs on Twitter, um, please feel free to do so. We're always willing to debate any food takes. And uh, next up, we'll go to around the league. And uh, Jake wanted to talk about uh, Deshaun Watson lawsuit and the follow up on that. You got any uh, takes on that matter? Yeah, I felt compelled to probably talk about it again. You weren't with us the, for the last podcast. Um, right. But I was on with Fred, and um, it was right when the lawsuits were hitting headlines. And I um, expressed some concerns, some misgivings just about the uh, the actions of the attorney, Tony Busby. It seemed kind of unprofessional. It seemed kind of bizarre. Let's just say bizarre. It seemed very bizarre the way he was using Instagram, using social media, and um, kind of promoting his celebrity on there, which gave me, gave me some pause and gave me some reasonable questions about the legitimacy of that lawsuit. Um, however, since it's developed just recently, they've had, uh, the first victim, the first alleged victim, uh, come forward and share her story. Um, they've had some testimony. Busby claims to have a lot of Instagram messages as well as text messages, verifying the accounts, 
um, as well as a very consistent story throughout the, uh, I believe it's 13 or 14 uh, plaintiffs in the case. Long story short, it's not looking good for Mr. Watson over there in Houston. I'll say that. Yeah, well, I would say even, you know, broader than Houston, is this a career ender? I don't know. I mean, I don't think anyone's ever been convicted. Or let's see, it wouldn't be a conviction. Um, I mean, well, you've had Ben Roethlisberger. He was okay. Uh, I don't want to drag anyone's name through the mud, but Kobe Bryant was okay after he settled his lawsuit. I mean, he's not going to be the first professional athlete to have allegations of sexual misconduct. Sure. Uh, at some point, he's probably going to settle this, probably sometime soon. So there'll be... We'll see if there's any sort of criminal conviction. I know that they're doing a criminal investigation about it, but I, I don't see it as a career ender. Probably a suspension for a year or so. Um, I think they have a mandatory six games. Six games for okay. um, sort of things like, things like this. And um, if Antonio Brown hasn't been kicked out of the league, if he got to play in the Super Bowl, yeah. I, I wouldn't see a reason why Deshaun Watson um, would have anything more severe than Antonio Brown, who have both been accused of um, pretty similar misconduct i'd say yeah no that all makes sense um he's not the first won't be the last i haven't really followed that story too much but um we also are going to follow up on another uh topic that we've talked about in around the league um i think two podcasts two episodes ago uh just a little tiger woods update this is going to kind of be somewhat old news but uh you know i just I, you hate to see it he uh Officials found out that he was going 85 miles per hour in a 40-mile-per-hour zone during his crash in uh, Los Angeles County. When he came to, he thought that he was in Florida, not in Los Angeles, across the country. So it just kind of – and, you know, especially the weekend of the Masters, getting that news and then seeing one of the most, if not the most, major golf tournament in the country go down and just kind of – it resonates through you. You know, there was uh, Tiger – had his great comeback win in 2019. Uh, you watch the videos, and I just did this morning um, after the Masters tournament ended on uh, ended yesterday on Sunday. You watch the masses of crowds follow him. That's when America fell back in love with Tiger again. And I don't know. This like, talking about career enders, this could be it for him too. It's hard to say. Yeah, well, he had a compound fracture in his leg, right? I think just the yeah. injuries alone would be tough to come back from. Sure. Uh, to play at the professional level, maybe as a, what do they call it, the senior league or whatever, maybe he can come back as a senior league or something. But uh, it's, It sucks to see. He was working his comeback, and then, you know, it's yeah. unfortunate. And he's had some minor, well, I, I guess you could consider them major surgeries, um, back surgeries that he's been trying to heal up from and, you know, I don't. I still don't think anybody knows the cause of uh, how the crash happened, but uh, he may never recover. And uh, yeah, sad to see um, him go through that. And those who love him and are fans of his, you know, we all feel for him. I'm sure. But um, anyway, onto a brighter note, the Masters um, just ended yesterday on Sunday. Today is Monday night, so um, we'll touch on that a little bit. I didn't follow most of it. Um, I'm a working man, worked pretty much every day of the Masters, so I kind of just caught some highlights. Um, but Hideki uh, Matsuyama won uh, the Masters tournament with a score of uh, minus 10 or 10 under. Uh, first person of, I think, fully Japanese descent to ever win the Masters, so he's bringing home a uh, Masters title to 
Japan. And uh, yeah, it's good to see that, especially with kind of everything that's going on with Asian Americans and the United States right now. There's an uptick in violence against them. So it's kind of probably a nice moment, you know, good uh, patriotic feeling for maybe some of those Asian Americans that are uh, living in the country and can see them can see themselves. Yeah, exactly. Represented in uh, a great way when in the Masters getting that green jacket. Yeah, I mean, I just I don't watch golf by principle, but it's a, it's always <laughs> nice to see somebody uh, to break through barriers. You know, absolutely, just, it's funny. You know, it opens it up for more kids and more adults to people that didn't think that they had the opportunity would now say, hey, you know what? Maybe I can do it. You know, it only makes competition better and uh, makes it more exciting for a lot of people, and that's pretty cool. That's the first. You're the first. I've heard of it. I don't. I don't follow golf at all. Yeah. No, I <laughs> that's do. A cool moment. I do very rarely myself. Um, just don't have the time to watch it, sit there and watch, you know, four or five hour uh, rounds of golf. Um, I like to play it, but yeah, no, it was, uh, it was cool to see that. So I figured we'd mention that. Um, and getting into some sticky territory. Um, so last week there was what I would call a very short lived controversy on Twitter. <laughs> yeah. And when I say yeah. short lived, it probably, it. it lasted maybe 48 hours, if that. Um, that's kind of, there was a very short, uh, short buzz on Twitter about it, but just, um, it's a WGR 550, I believe out of Buffalo. Um, a journalist from WGRZ, uh, initially put this out that I know of, initially put it out onto Twitter as like a Twitter, um, Twitter thread and it kind of, uh, created a firestorm and the WGR followed up with, a an additional opinion article that was um, quite hastily thrown together, let me say. Yeah, but all of it was sourced from um, 10 questions with Josh Allen. Basically, he was saying he was just hesitant on getting the vaccine, um, kind of wanted to wait how things uh, and see how things played out going down the road. Um, he c- caught a bunch of backlash for it online. Um, total media controversy. I don't know how deep we want to get into it. Um, it's definitely old news by now and not something that should necessarily be rehashed, but, um, it was sad to see the bills online community just divided over something that was, it's not necessarily trivial, but it kind of was, um, I think Josh was kind of blindsided by the question maybe a little bit and he did his best to explain his way out of it. And I think he did a perfectly fine explanation and doesn't owe anybody anything more than what he's given on the stage. No, he, he's an NFL football quarterback. He's not our leading epidemiologist. He's not a. He's not even a doctor. Right. He was asked a tough question, and he gave as close to an innocuous response as you possibly could. Uh, I had a lot of frustration with a lot of the Buffalo media trying to press this. They, they knew what Buffalo, and I don't think it was an accident. I don't think it was objective. Um, I don't think it was objective journalism. I think they knew what, bus, what buttons they could push with vaccine discussions um, in the political realm and in the public realm being hotly contested. I think they knew that all they had to do was put out this very isolated, innocuous quote without context and people would fill in the blanks. And they could create a controversy to uh, create some headlines in the offseason. And I thought that was very lowbrow, very Bush League. Um, I tried not to comment on it. And, you know, unfortunately, I spend way too much time on Twitter. So... The more and more I read of it, the more frustrated I got from um, "quote unquote" Big J journalists out there pushing this as a as a story. Um, 
called out, called out a couple. And then, um, but I was happy to see it die out. It was really a non-story, and um, I'm I'm glad people called it out as what it was, and I'm glad it died really quickly because we don't need that controversy. You know, it was a fun one-on-one with Josh Allen, and he tried his best to just kind of toe the line, not get himself part of it. But there were still people digging, people digging it to try to shame a public figure, and um, that's that was rather unfortunate, I believe. Yeah, no, I'd agree with all that. Um... Again, we won't rehash super far into it. Um, so, yeah, we can. I, I think we can leave it at that and hope that we can kind of come together on just loving some Buffalo Bills football. Hell yeah. But um, last topic of around the league, um, and more specifically with the Buffalo Bills and their aesthetics during the 2021 season, is uh, we are moving to white face masks in 2021. And I, for one, was very glad to see that decision roll out. I think they're going to be the hottest team on the field with their color rush this year. Love the red on red. Always have loved the color rush with the bills, with the white face masks. Um, it's definitely an up, update from gray. I don't know if you have a take on it, but I was, uh, I was happy to see it. Yeah, the white face masks, they pop. They look good. But I mean, the bills could have purple face masks, yeah. not pink face masks. It looks like the Barbie car of all I care. I don't of course. care too much about face masks, but the white face masks do pop. They look better than the gray. I yeah. like it. Yeah, I was glad to see it. I'm hoping to see them uh, kick some ass in the Super Bowl with some white face masks. Absolutely. <laughs> see you in, uh, in the Super Bowl, uh, Tampa Bay. Ooh, we'll see. Um, so over on our Twitter account, at Bills Blitzkrieg, um, hopefully you're following us, and I'm sure you probably are if you were listening to this. But anyway, we had a uh, poll going for the last 24 hours. Who is the coolest Bills receiver poll? And we only ran four receivers, Diggs, Beasley, Isaiah McKenzie, Dawson Knox. And um, so (laughs) I want to preface if there is any sort of discussion about it, just how bad I feel for Dawson Knox because he came in fourth place (laughs) at 0%. Apparently nobody thinks that uh, Dawson Knox is very cool at all. But – Diggs was voted for 45%, Beasley 36%, and McKenzie 18.2%. And on my personal Twitter, I voted for uh, Stephon Diggs because I just think he's the man. I mean, he just he's very cool. Rec- he recently signed with Jordan. Um, he's just got that swagger about him. Every pregame. Very stylish. Yeah. Very stylish. Ev- absolutely. Huh? Yep. Smooth. Smooth as silk, too, whenever he talks. Exactly. Yeah, I'm excited to see what he's going to do with that Jordan move. He's going to create some nice kicks. Not that I, 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 I do not. I am not a sneakerhead by any means. Uh, I spend probably less than seventy dollars on every pair of sneakers I own. But uh, good for him. No, I've been riding the same pair of Vans for the past three years. So I don't. <laughs> I'd love to support you, Stephon Diggs, but I don't think I'm going to buy a pair of Jordans. Haven't bought any yet. Not going to buy any now. Well, speaking but, of that, you know, <laughs> living in our sneakers for so long. If we have any advertisers or anybody who would want to get into advertising with us, we would love some new pairs of sneakers. Yeah. You want to send me some Diggs Jordans? I will wear them. I mean, I'm not. Well, I'm not going that far. (laughs) (laughs) Right, right. But I mean, it's just uh, unfortunate for Dawson Knox. Maybe people are being very technical because he's not a wide receiver. He's a tight end. But he does receive the football. I think that counts as a receiving, a receiver. But. Sure. I think a lot of it is there's a lot of anger for Dawson Knox. Everyone wants him to be the 
800 yards a year guy already, but, you know, I think he's a pretty cool dude. He always wears those headbands. He likes classic country music. You know, I wanted to mix it up, put him in, because I had a lot of, like, you know, urban cool guys. We've got Beasley, does all the rapping, you know. And then, um, you know, on Knox, because he's more like the, you know, all shucks kind of country cool guy. Probably used to chuck some hay back in the day. I don't know. Yeah. yeah. No love for our, uh, our tight end one, I guess. Apparently. Well, that's too bad for Dawson Knox. Maybe, uh, maybe things will shape up in the 2021 season. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I'm hoping, I mean, I, uh, I pegged him as my breakout guy. And, well, Steve Tasker did first and I stole his idea. Let me clarify. I think he's a, he's primed for, he's primed for a big year. I, I wouldn't be surprised if he gets less than 600 receiving yards if healthy. Yeah. Yeah. That'd be nice to see. Um, he w- wasn't necessarily a letdown last season, but he had a couple flubs there. Um, yeah, we'll he was see. fine. He was fine. We'll he see. Got, what four or five touchdowns? He was all right. Yeah. Um. So anyway, moving on from the Twitter appreciation, um, we want to talk draft options a little bit. So Jake, you just dropped an article today, um, on a ranking of I think your top six uh, draft options for the Bills and who they will start with at uh, pick number thirty. Yeah. Um. Like I was saying earlier, I did not prepare long enough ahead of time for a full mock draft, but um, I went and analyzed a lot of the cornerbacks. I think cornerback is going to be the uh, major – it's probably the biggest need for Buffalo right now, um, assuming we got Levi Wallace as the second cornerback next to Tredavious White. There's definitely room for a big upgrade there. Um, I dug pretty deep, uh, looked into a lot of first-round options. Who would be available at pick number 30? Uh, I'm not considering anybody that's – Almost going to be automatic, top 15 pick. Um, the top of the draft, there's kind of two sections, right? The top of the list is uh, kind of guys who are, are expected to fall. If they fall to Buffalo, it would really be a steal. Um, Caleb Farley is probably the big one. Travis Etienne, to a certain extent, would be a, a rare fall that low. And then uh, Jalen Phillips. Those are my top three guys. Um, and, yes, I put Travis Etienne as number one. I know. Get all the don't draft a running back round one guys at me. I I don't share that sentiment. I get it. I know there's a lot of reasoning behind it. Um, all about you know having that rookie scale and that fifth round option. And you're not guaranteed, especially with the quantity of running backs available just throughout the NFL as undrafted free agents late in the rounds. And there's a high injury risk, right? Um, the first round pick is a lot of capital. That's a lot of football capital. But Travis Etienne is a special player. I didn't put Najee Harris there for a particular reason because Travis Etienne is a special player. Najee Harris is a very good running back. Travis Etienne can explode out of the backfield for huge gains. He can run through tacklers. Um, he bounces off, has great body control, next level vision. You can also line him up in the slot or even and split out wide because he runs great routes and has excellent hands. Um, I, I hear all the reasoning, you know, you, like I said, high injury risk. You can get great running backs in the fifth, sixth, seventh. I, I hear all that. Travis Etienne is a special player. If he drops that low, I don't even foresee him probably. He probably gets picked up in the top 20. If he drops, I don't think you overthink it. Get a guy that's going to set your offense over the top. Uh, Buffalo struggled last year, right? We struggled last year running the ball. Yes, there were some issues run blocking. There's some issues scheme. There was a lot of volatility along the offensive line, constantly rotating people in and out. A great back can overcome all that, right? 
Derrick Henry can overcome that. Saquon Barkley can overcome that. Uh, Christian McCaffrey can overcome a bad offensive line and still put up excellent seasons. Uh, Travis Etienne, I mean, if you think about that, right. Stephon Diggs, wide receiver one. Cole Beasley in the slot. Uh, either Emmanuel Sanders or Gabriel Davis as wide receiver two. And then you add in uh, the most explosive player in the draft in the backfield. That's offense is going to be putting up 30 points a game. Easy. On the low end. Um, but... You know, and I and I understand the p- positional value argument, too. So I really struggled with that, too, because I was watching a lot of Caleb Farley tape, and that guy is excellent, right? He has an excellent cornerback. He's almost he's probably my 1B option at number 30. Also, big question mark if he falls that low. He's not guaranteed at 30. He's a top 10 talent, right? Early season, he was expected to go in the top 10. <sighs> Let me catch my breath. Anyways, um... But a really bad back injury. Um, right before the pro day, he couldn't participate in pro day. Uh, he also had an ACL tear, uh, ACL tear, non-contact back in 2017. I don't imagine he goes in the top 15 because of that, right? Top 15 are all teams that struggling, close to struggling, are on the edge of mediocrity. You don't want to... You're using that first-round pick to be a cornerstone of your franchise. You don't want a cornerstone, an expected cornerstone of your franchise to have two major injuries that plague most people, let alone people who are expected to play the most violent game, one of the most violent games on the globe. Uh, So that drops him down initially. He also had a very public opt-out that frustrated the coaches at Virginia Tech. Um, A lot of people like that company man they don't want anyone to uh, rustle feathers, rough up the waters. Uh, he definitely did that on his way out of Virginia Tech, which I think could push him down even farther, which is only a benefit to Buffalo because this guy's excellent, right? He has He's the best all-around coverage player. He has great eyes, great reaction. He's a good tackler. Um, he didn't participate in the pro day, so we can't analyze exactly we can't measure up his speed and athleticism to something at a combine level, but he was extremely fast. I'd imagine he's probably a low four fours, high four three runner. Great agility, doesn't get doesn't get burned too often. Um, so yeah, those are my first two: Travis Etienne, Caleb Farley. And do we want to both. do we want to leave that as? a somewhat spoiler alert so they can go read the article on billsblitzkrieg.com. <laughs> yeah, billsblitzkrieg.com. I told you guys I'm going to get drunk by the end of this. This beer is hitting me. And you know yeah, what? It doesn't It doesn't necessarily roll off the tongue either. <laughs> no, it doesn't. We've been fumbling over our own name. I know it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the, the rest of them. Yeah, they at least leave the cliffhanger, right? Go on billsblitzkrieg.com. It's an eight-minute read. Go on there. Yeah, well, there's yeah. plenty. We, we put pl- lots of... There's lots of pictures on there, so um, for those of you non-readers, uh, look at the bold, the print and bold, and the photos, and you'll know exactly what we think. There you go. I love it. All right, awesome. Um, but yeah, the draft's coming up soon. When is uh, when is that again? Shoot, I think it's April twenty eighth. Okay. 28th. So just a couple weeks away. Um, we'll be looking forward to that, and um, we'll have plenty of content coming about the draft soon and um during the draft and after so um all right do you have any concluding thoughts jake the draft is on thursday april 29th 
through Saturday, May 1st. All right. Yeah, I'll, I'll definitely little be on fact Twitter. fact check. Advocating for Travis Etienne as number one. Okay. Um, yeah, should be a lively night. Um, that'll obviously, that's kind of one of the first things you look forward to in the off season. Not one of the first, but free agency for sure. Um, but it's a big night in football, so. Yeah, it's fun. I remember last year was, was so great too because we hadn't had any sports. Right. From, what's February on? Yeah. So that was, that was really cool. That, that was a really exciting. It was like the first major sports event. Yeah, I think it was. Coronavirus pandemic. I think it was more like March. Um, I know the NHL was playing. I think the NBA might have just gotten started, but anyway, they canceled, you know, everything, basically. Uh, I don't want to say second week in March. So, yeah, we were definitely looking forward to it. Mm-hmm. This year um, should be exciting, too. I'm really looking forward. There's a whole mentality shift this year for the Bills, which I think is probably the most exciting part because – Every year we've been going into the draft from 2017, even to last year, we've been building, 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 building for the long term. Right. Now we're looking at this draft. We're established. We're more or less set. We we could go in with this roster right now and we could still compete for a Super Bowl. Absolutely. But now we're look, going into the draft and we're looking at who can set us over the top and dominate teams. Who sure. can set us over the top against the Chiefs? Who's going to contribute to building a dynasty long term? This is something that we even – couldn't even think to consider the possibility of ever even happening. Right. And this until last and year. That's so, all so exciting. So much more exciting to me than picking up, you know, that stud, uh, you know, rookie quarter, uh, yeah, stud quarterback in the first round of the draft or whatever it might be. You know, those, those moves can be exciting, but like you said, we're already established. Um, we could go out with our current fixings and play pretty well. It was proven last season. But yeah, hopefully Absolutely. we get some guys that'll, like you said, put us over the top. Mm-hmm. Um, and I only have one concluding thought, and that is go to buy Hoffman hot dogs, especially Snappy Grillers, because they're <laughs> delicious and amazing. I'm not pushing you guys to Walmart, but I'm pretty sure I've seen them at Walmart. Oh, they're Maybe at Wegmans Walmart. too. Or your friendly <laughs> local uh, grocer, if you have that in your neighborhood. And like are super rich or something because that's yeah. what rich people have in their neighborhoods. I don't think you will here because everyone likes those Salem's hot dogs, but they just haven't they haven't had the opportunity to appreciate a good Hoffman's hot dog. That's all I want to say. Salem's are fine hot dogs, but Hoffman's are the finest. It's the way to go, folks. All right, and um, so otherwise, I think that's all we have for you, Bills Mafia Cretans. Um, as always, make sure to follow us on Twitter at Bills Blitzkrieg. Like and subscribe on our YouTube, same deal, Bills Blitzkrieg, and visit our website at BillsBlitzkrieg.com. If you provide us with some good material um, on our Twitter to read on air, we'll make sure to shout you out. And we look forward to seeing what happens in the next few weeks with the draft. Once again, we'll have plenty of content coming soon. So um, otherwise, we will talk to you all later, and go Bills.